Hello ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Explosion Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at digital agency Exposure Ninja. In this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Stewman. Ryan runs hardcorecloser.com, which is a site all about how to sell more. The reason I wanted to get Ryan onto the podcast is because his backstory is incredible. Most of the people I talk to, pretty straightforward backstories, you know, got interested in digital marketing, tried out some stuff, it started working, and then we kind of grew from there. Well, Ryan's been to prison twice for drugs and guns, so he's got a pretty different story. But the great thing about Ryan is that he's used that story to his benefit, right? We always say, sell what you've got. And Ryan has really, really used that to build his brand around and his authenticity has really helped to grow his audience on social media. So we're going to be talking about how he uses his blog, how he integrates his story with his blog, and also how he builds his audience on Facebook as well. He sells a lot of courses through email. So we also dive into his email marketing strategy too. Really fascinating guy, really interesting episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget to head over to Facebook and join our Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind. If you've got any questions at all about your digital marketing, then just search for Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind. Request to join and we'll let you in. Some super sharp people in there. So if you ever want any feedback on your ads or a blog post, or you can't figure out why your landing page isn't converting, just drop it in the group and we'll be happy to help. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Tim? I'm excited to be here. I feel like, you know, it sounds like you're in the next room, but we're like literally a world apart from each other, you know? So it's (laughs) probably here, two different perspectives on a lot of things today. It's going to be awesome. Yes, indeed. Hopefully we're a world apart physically, maybe not uh, figuratively. Anyway, for for those who don't know you and your background, maybe you could give us a a, a quick story. You don't have a traditional background, I think it's safe to say. Uh, no, not not by any stretch of the imagination. I am uh, currently present day. I'm a contributor to Forbes, a five-time best-selling author. I have one of the top sales blogs on the internet. I have one of the top sales training and marketing training companies on the on the internet. I have nice cars, nice nice place to live. Three beautiful boys, five, four, and zero. The youngest one, six six weeks old. <clears throat> the reason I have all those kids is because my wife's smoking hot. And uh, <laughs> I tell you all that, and it may sound like I'm bragging. I'm pretty proud of all that. But the, the truth is, I have all that today. But where I came from is literally the rock bottom, subterranean. Matter of fact, I tell people that if you're at rock bottom, you better get a damn jackhammer out and start digging to go where I came from. Because see, at seven years old, I was adopted by my stepdad. My, my real dad abandoned me. My stepdad adopted me. I had a different last name. I had to explain to all the school kids at school why my name went from Ryan Russell McCord to Ryan Keith Stuman. School, I hated it. That was just one of the many things that went wrong for me in early years. After the eighth grade, I decided to leave school and I went to work selling car washes. And uh, while I was selling car washes, and I was really good at that, and sometimes on a, on a Saturday, we would wash you know, 1,100, 1,200 cars. So I got a lot of experience in sales selling car washes there. And I would work like 70 hours a week because I needed all the money I could get because I was high school dropout and just trying to make it in the world. Following the pattern, right? Get adopted, get on drugs, drop out of high school, go work at a car wash. Like I was following that story that our parents showed us (laughs) or like your health teacher shows you in the ninth grade. I didn't get to see it because I was too busy living the damn thing. And so go through all this, 
And one of the customers at the car wash offers me a money-making opportunity in the uh, marijuana and cocaine business. I don't know about how well that works out over in the UK, but nine times out of 10, they bust your ass here in America. But I didn't get those statistics. I just saw the upside of the deal. And as a, a kid that didn't really grow up having much and, you know, I was living in the hood and the streets, it seemed pretty pretty normal to me to do that anyway. It's not like when you're making a car wash living at, you know, 17 years old, you're living in the the Ritz somewhere. You're living in the the poor part of the city because, you know, that was the the path that I chose. And so I uh, got, got into the, uh, the drug business and was, uh, you know, not very successful because about a year later, I got arrested in the wrong place at the wrong time and some shit happened. I got arrested. I ended up going to prison for two years of my life and I got let out. I remember when 9-11 happened here in America, I was sitting in prison and they were saying like, if we go to war, they kill all the prisoners first. And I was like, oh shit, man, I only had like $200 worth of Coke, man. Jesus Christ, I gotta get my life together. I can't, I can't ever be put in this situation again. And I got out of prison and I went back and I begged for my job back at the car wash and I started selling car washes again, working there. And one of the customers, again, came up to me with the money-making opportunity, but this time in the mortgage business. And she offered to train me. Within like the first month, I made like six sixty-eight hundred bucks. Within the second month, I'd made $14,000. By the end of the year, I'd already made $100,000 in the mortgage business, which was life-changing considering that I was only making about like maybe $40,000 at the car wash, working 70 hours a week, and I'm killing it over here in the mortgage business. Well, in 2005, I bought a mansion, a bunch of fucking cars and everything else. And then, you know, the cops in the small town that I lived in thought I was selling drugs again. And so they kicked in the front door of my house looking for drugs. Obviously, I wasn't selling drugs. I was running a very successful business. I didn't even do drugs. I still don't. And there was no drugs in the house. They kicked in the door of the home, but they found guns in my home. And since I had a previous conviction, long story short, they, they took me to court for guns, but I beat the charge. But then they turned me over to the ATF, which has a whole different set of rules that nobody tells you about. And I end up having to go back to federal, I go back to prison again, this time to federal prison for 15 months and get out. Like while I was in there, my wife divorced me. I lost everything. I lost all my properties. The mortgage meltdown happened. All this while I'm locked up. I get out in 2000 and in middle of 2008, 2000 and uh, by the end of 2009, I'm the number one producer for the largest privately owned mortgage bank in the state of Texas. This company's doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and I'm their top producer. 2010, Obama signed into the Dodd-Frank Act here in America, which made it to where since I was a federally convicted felon, I couldn't obtain a financial license anymore. And uh, that's when I got into this internet business, which has been a, a trip in itself. So a reason why I tell you like the good side first is think about all the hell that I've had to endure throughout my journey just to be able to gain the experience to be able to share things in the way that I do now. And, and you know, it's one of those things where people can have an excuse where they don't have enough college or their dad didn't give them enough money. I just told you a story that's about as rough as you can get, right? Not just one instance, which would change somebody's lives, but multiple, multiple instances, which would change somebody's lives. And the story of just what happens if you just knuckle down and keep doing it. Yeah, and I, th- I think your story is is uh, it's it's incredible how you've used your story with your current business and and how you kind of use that to build authenticity and credibility, which which we'll talk about later. So maybe you could take us through what you're doing at the moment with Hardcore Closer and um, how you kind of how you started off using social media, wasn't it? And how you started started in this uh, the fun internet world. Yeah, that's kind of a cool story. So in 2008, I, uh, I got out of federal prison and my sister, who's about 10 years younger than me, introduced me to Facebook. 
She's like, got to get a Facebook account. I was like, no, 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 it's MySpace. She's like, that's not even around anymore because I have been gone, right? And I was like, okay. And so I had, you know, my ex-wife had left me while I was in prison. She was wife at the time, but ex-wife now obviously left me while I was in prison. You know, sold a bunch of properties off, a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I literally had nothing. And so when I started making money at this mortgage company, and it took me three or four months to find a job, it wasn't like things just fell into place. But after I started finally making money at this mortgage company, I started kind of bragging about it because I was hoping she was reading my Facebook post, to be honest with you. You know, I'd be like, hey, top producer again this month. You know, and I kind of used that pain that she caused me because, you know, I'm over it now. But at the time, it was like, hey, this chick left me at the lowest spot in my life and probably the worst way possible for someone else. And, and it was just like a lot to take in because 15 months really isn't that long, you know? And so uh, I'm using like Facebook It's like a place to say, like, look at me now, should have hung around, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, each month when I talk about the amount of loans that I'm closing and and how good life is and stuff like that, because I was making about 300 grand a year there. And the, the, I noticed that people started reaching out to me on Facebook. They're like, Hey man, I know you do a lot of mortgages. Let me ask you a question. And I started doing even more mortgages from Facebook. And so I had this experience over, you know, 2008, 9, and 10 that people on Facebook would send me business even for a mortgage, right? Which at the time was unheard of. Somebody shoot you their social security number and stuff over Facebook. I mean, it was insane, but it was happening to me every day. And people go out and fill out the forms and stuff like that. So in 2010, when I lost my license, I said, you know what? I'm going to teach people how to get loans from Facebook. That's something that nobody's talking about. I've personally done it and I can't do it no more. So there's no need in me like keeping this information to myself. And so I started showing people how to, you know, basically uh, get leads from social media. But then I realized people were really lazy. And so I started charging people just to do it for them, to just like make their posts for them. I would load them up during, uh, through Hootsuite and stuff like that. Well, I had about 70 clients at one time. And so I'm literally posting and replying and commenting on 70 different people's pages. And I had two other people helping me. And that really gained me. I did that for about eight months. And that really gained me a lifetime of experience firsthand, right? I managed all this stuff back when the newsfeed was unadulterated and unfiltered and all this other stuff. And it just gave me a bunch of experience, but it also taught me that I don't want to do that shit anymore. And so that's when I started the hardcore closer business. It was kind of an accident. I just, I, I said, you know, I don't want to do this for people anymore. I want to teach people how to do it. And one day me and another guy were drinking some whiskey in an office at a, at a lawyer's title company. And there was like these, these little old ladies, like old blue hair ladies, right? And they would go and they would sign these papers with people and they would call them closers. And so on their, on their freaking business card and everything, it's like, you know, Betty Jenkins closer, right? And so me and my buddy are drinking whiskey. Like they're the real hardcore closers in this equation. It's like those old ladies, they go hard, man. They got a hundred percent close ratio. They even put it on their business cards. And we're just like making sales jokes. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to totally register the hardcorecloser.com if it's open. And my friend's like, there's no way nobody's got that. Sure enough, hardcore closer was open. And so a few days go by and I really didn't think nothing of it. And, I, and I, I know how to build websites and stuff. So I built this little blog on there so that I could put a few of these loan officer testimonials on it just so that I had like a cool domain with a few testimonials and some videos that I had slapped together. And over the course of time, I just kept adding stuff to it because I didn't have anywhere else to put, put things. It's not like I have multiple blogs or anything else. And then people started going to it and they started calling me the hardcore closer. And I didn't mean for that to happen. I meant for it just to be a website that people go to and read like a magazine, you know, type of thing. And then, but people started calling me that and I'm like, okay, well, you know what, if I'm going to take this nickname 
Because if I don't, they're going to give me a really shitty nickname and I'm not really good with shitty nicknames. So I'm just going to be like the hardcore closer. That's a cool nickname. I'll just kind of run with it. And, you know, that was in 2012. So, I mean, I've obviously been running this brand for a long time and we started out just helping loan officers. And then we, you know, started helping real estate agents uh, because that was who the loan officers were getting business from. And then other people came in like insurance people and then coaches eventually started coming in as well. Cause they're like, dude, you have this huge coaching practice. Can you teach us to do it? And so I started helping coaches and then small business owners and then medium-sized business owners, then mortgage companies. The the guy that just did the call this morning for our mastermind, we call the tribe. The uh, I've run that program since 2012. And the guy that was on the call with me today did $200 million in mortgage production last year. So it's a, it's a, a very interesting brand that it's evolved to. Hell, we have a few preachers that are in our programs, which you wouldn't really uh, think would jive really well with my style. You can tell I cuss and, and uh, don't have <laughs> any qualms about telling it like it is. But we have a, a really like diverse bunch of clients that are getting results and stuff. And so, and it's not just sales training, you know, we kind of position it as sales training, but it's really like business and life coaching and sales training and marketing and everything like on steroids. You know what? We don't do it for you, but we can teach you anything. You know, I, I spend three grand a week in Facebook ads. You know, I spend about four grand a month in YouTube ads, like that I'm personally doing stuff. I write all the blog posts. We have a system. And so we have all these training and content and the way that we make things flow. Uh, based around really all the stuff that I've done because I'm teaching from experience. So your business now is is selling training courses and, and masterminds and, and coaching and, and live events, which is obviously ridiculously competitive. And it's so diff- difficult to to kind of stand out in that market, right? So many players there and a lot of people who've been doing it a lot longer than you. But the way that you've used your story and, and you super, super, you know, you're you're really proud of it, aren't you? And and that just, I think, brings so much authenticity. So the reason I wanted to get you on the show today was to kind of help people who have a, a story in their background, which maybe they're a little bit scared of using, or um, they're not sure if their personal story is really relevant to their business. When it came to being open and kind of telling people about your background, were you ever unsure about how that was going to be perceived by your target audience? Yeah, you know what? That's that's a real good question, Tim. So yeah, there was a time in, in 2007 when I got the word, it was, it was April of 2007, when I got the word that I was going to have to go to federal prison for 15 months. Up until that point, I believed that I was going to get parole because I wasn't doing anything wrong. And clearly it was a mistake on their end, but man, they were relentless. But it was all for a reason. I could sit here and take 10 hours of your time to explain it all, but just know that it was, it was all for a reason. It was strength conditioning for me to get where I am now. And that's what your story is too. You know, you're listening to this. That's what your story is. It was the strength conditioning that it took for you to get where you're at now. But moving on, you know, I go through the federal prison thing and I get out. And while I was in there, I read a bunch of books. I read the Bible. I read the the Bhagavad Gita. I read the Quran. I mean, I have all this time on my hands. I didn't do nothing but lift weights and read. And so when I came out, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to act right. I'm going to do everything accordingly. And and so I started, you know, I tied 10% of my income and made 300 grand. I made, gave 30,000 to the church. I helped this church refinance a lot of its members to where they could buy this new church. And like, I, I really was involved. I was there directing traffic on Sundays, but it wasn't me. You know, I was pretending because I was so scared to go back to prison. I was pretending that even though that the, the two times that I went, you know, I pr- they probably both could have been avoided. But again, it was just, it was my path. But 
I was so scared of going back to prison that I thought going to the extreme other way was the only way that I was going to be able to keep myself in check. And so people would ask, hey, where were you for the last 15 months? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I was working in North Carolina on a big construction process. You know, sorry about that. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, you didn't even post anything on Facebook about it. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I was just like so enthralled in the thing. And people knew I was bullshitting them, you know? Yeah. But we play this game with people, Tim. We play this game like I tell you a bullshit story. Then you repeat some bullshit story that you've been telling yourself for a little while. We both know it's bullshit, but we act like it's not bullshit because we don't want to call each other on our bullshit because then we'd have to confront our own bullshit. And it's this game that we play with each other. It really is. And so I would just, I started playing that game. Well, you know, here I was doing mortgages, going to church on Sunday and, you know, living that life. I wore a suit to church or a suit to, to work and, or at least, you know, a nice colored shirt and some khakis look like Jake from State Farm some days. And, you know, go through, that's an American joke. I don't know if y'all got that commercial. <laughs> well, straight over my head, mate. <laughs> I go, oh, you know, to work and I'm like trying to fit this persona. But the thing is, it wasn't me. And then when President Obama signed the Dodd-Frank law into act and they, they wouldn't let me renew my financial license and it expired, it was really, Tim, I just said, fuck it. You know what, man? I, I, try, I did it. You know, I, I was, I was, I went in and got a legit job. The cops kicked my door in and took me to prison. Right. I get out of prison. I go to church and I get a good job and I don't do any drugs and I mind my own business and I become an even more model citizen than I was the, the previous time. I've educated myself with religions. I'm an enlightened dude. I'm I'm handling all the businesses the way that I'm supposed to. And it still took my license. At that point, I was like, ah, fuck it. You know, like, I, I, obviously, I can't make the universe happy. And so, and the reason why I can't make the universe happy is because I keep trying to be somebody that I'm not supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be a drug dealer. I'm not supposed to be a convict. I'm not supposed to be a banker. I'm not supposed to be a guy that goes to church. I'm supposed to be Ryan Stuman, who's like now known as the hardcore closer. And that's, that's a lot of my persona, but I'm supposed to be that guy. And all those things were hindering me from being that guy. And the universe kept like nudging me along, like, come on, come on, keep going, right? Don't stop here. And so what happens is I just, it's one day I just wrote this story. I, I wrote it on Facebook and I was like, Hey, a lot of you don't know this about me, but you know, I'm tired of this shit. I'm two time convicted felon, blah, blah, blah. And here's what happened. And here's the story. And you know, I gave this lesson from it and it was shared like, you know, back then a hundred likes to me and two or three shares was a lot, you know, back in 2000 and, and, uh, and 10. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of living things this way. I'm just going to be me. And if you don't, you know, if you don't fucking like it, it's cool. You don't have to stick around, but I'm tired of pretending to be all these other people. And a lot of people from church unfriended me and there was like a mass exodus. And I just started being me like the same, like who you see in front of you right now. I just said one day it was like I snapped and I said, okay, I'm just take the mask off and just go back to being Ryan. Who's really going back to being Ryan McCord, <laughs> the original person that I haven't had to reinvent myself. I had to reinvent myself when I was adopted, had to reinvent myself when I got out of prison. I had to reinvent myself again when I lost my job in the mortgage business. I said, man, I'm just going to go back to who I was born on this earth to be. And I'm not going to change my name or nothing like that, but I'm just going to be me. I don't need a church. I don't need all this other stuff. And here's what you, the key is, especially if you're entrepreneurs, business owners listening to this, Here's what I realized. I, I said, you know what? Shit. I was in one prison unit with 6,500 people, another one with 4,000 people. I looked up the stats. One in every 30 people in America is either locked up on parole or been to prison before. And I thought, you know what? There's plenty of guys like uh, Brian Tracy and Ziegler and Cardone that are nice gentlemen that wear you know suits and ties. And the, the market is flooded with that, right? Like everywhere you look, there's like another 
dude with a Lamborghini and a suit and tie telling you how he makes all this money from sales training, right? There's that there's been there done that. But with me and, and really Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street was an inspiration too, because he had gone through some of the same stuff as me, He'd gone to prison for, for some stuff. And, and he told this story and he just owned up to who he was. And he's not that person anymore, but he just owned up to it. And I thought, man, if this guy who did all these horrible things can tell his story, surely the, and, the, and people will accept him, surely they'll accept me. And I'm different from him. I'm covered in tattoos. I, uh, I've been to prison twice. I, I'm not a suit and tie type of person. And there's got to be, and, and I have worked with a lot of them, but there's got to be millions of salespeople just like me out there that don't want to go to church on Sunday, that don't mind smoking a joint after a hard day's work or meeting at the bar or hanging out and partying and what all these other things that salespeople always talk about, but that the sales trainers try to get them not to do. It's almost like church. You know, these guys show up as sinners and the sales trainers like, well, let's convert you into being a good old Christian guy, which there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're into, but that's not what these sales guys go looking for. And so I said, I can feel that need. There's a need out there. I know what I want. There's a need out there. Let me feel it. Well, at first it wasn't easy because I started saying things that nobody else would. And so I started getting heat. You know what I mean? They're like, who is this guy? He thinks he's somebody, blah, blah, blah. But I had the ultimate story when people would say, those who can't coach, and I'll be like, you're right, I can't. They took my license, right? But here's my W-2. I made a bunch of money from doing this stuff. You want to learn how it's done? And so I just, like, I stayed on top of them. Man, I start calling people out and everything else, and I separated myself. And now it's crazy because if you look at some of the legends out there, I'm not going to name their names, but I just named a few of them just a second ago. But if you look at the legends, most of them copy my style. And they'll deny it up and down. But you see them cussing and talking about their drug history and all this stuff because they know that I like broke the taboo. I'm like the ultimate disruptor into this industry, whether it be coaches or whether it be the sales trainers or, or whatever. It's like I'm the ultimate disruptor out there. And so now, you know, for, for three years, they fought me and talked bad about me and everything else. And now I see them copying a lot of the same stuff that I did back in the day. And that's good for them. They're, they're just making the evolution too. But I saw a huge need for, for the hardcore closer to come out versus some dude in a suit and tie uh, talking about, you know, how you got to go, you know, make a hundred million cold calls and then go to church on Sunday and get your life together and, you know, give to charity. You know, I don't give a shit what you do with your money. I just want to help you make more of it. So hopefully we can solve some of your problems, you know? And it just really set me apart. And that's what it took to stand out. And for, for those of you that are business owners, you want to know what's going to take for you to stand out from your competition. It's individuality. I feel like I'm really long winded on this, but I get kind of excited, you know? Uh, dude, that's, that's exactly why it appeals so much to people, isn't it? It's because it's just pure authenticity. You're not trying to be anything that you're not. You've looked at the market. You've seen that you're different to other people in the space. And you're kind of you're celebrating those differences, aren't you? And yes, that means that some people are going to be turned off by that. But there's a big group of people who are going to be super turned on to that, especially if your position is something that hasn't existed in that marketplace before. Maybe the people that in your case, maybe the people that you've been selling to, or, or, or a lot of people in that market are like, oh, well, I'm, I'm never going to be the Brian Tracy, you know, super clean cut, super professional and clean. I'm never going to be that. So I don't really have too much, too much rapport with that kind of message. Whereas they see something that's totally different, i.e. you, and they're like, oh, finally, here's the dude I was waiting for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to kind of change tack a little bit and ask you about your blog, because from my perspective, it looks like the blog has been really central to the growth of the business. What's your attitude and what's your approach to your blog and how do you decide, you know, when to post, what you're going to be posting about? Well, you know, I started that thing in January of 2012 that, like I, I told you, it was kind of by accident. 
But now I think it has 720 something posts on it and another 800, I believe, pages of different offers and stuff that we've created over the years. You know, I have an idea. And at first I wasn't that good at writing. So I have an idea and I'd make a video about it and I'd post it on there. And then I started taking a bunch of writing courses like John Carlton and Harlan Kilstein and and uh, Scott Harris. And I, I just started learning everything I could about improving my uh, writing skills. And so I just started using that thing to practice. And, uh, and in the beginning, I only got like four or 500 views a month anyway. So I'm like, it ain't like anybody's looking at this shit. So if my writing isn't any good, it's only just a place for practice, like a, like a diary kind of thing. Through time, though, after I read a book by John Carlton called Kick-Ass Copyright and Secrets of a Marketing Rebel, it was like overnight that book snapped for me and it, and it transformed my writing skills like almost, I mean, not almost overnight, like overnight, it changed how I wrote that. It reframed the whole thing. And so I started getting real serious. This was in about 2014. I started getting real serious about writing after that book. And I started, you know, different processes. Now, what we do is every Sunday night, I write two or three blog posts. And then I've got my producer who we do the podcast and then he writes the blog post that goes with the podcast and uploads it and everything else. Then I've got Whiteboard Wednesday, which we do like a whiteboard training with my camera guy, which all he does is come over and shoot for 12 minutes and then leaves and makes the blog post and everything else. So we've got a system now to where I write two blog posts on Sunday. We do the podcast on Tuesday. We have Whiteboard Wednesday. And then I do a book review every week on there as well. And, you know, that's a lot of content in a week, but the way that I have it set up, it's pretty, even though it's all me doing it, I have people helping me. So it's, it's really streamlined in the uploading and, and distributing process, distributing process. But what I do is after I write a blog, I test it out with my Facebook fans. If they like it, then I can consistently cons- uh, send them, I, I run ads to it, or I send them more stuff just like it through our email list. Uh, if they don't like it, I don't run ads to it and I just move on to the next one. So I just really still treat that blog like it's a one giant split test. And I'm using my Facebook audience and my LinkedIn audience as the people that tell me if I've got the headline right or not. That's super interesting. So just so I understand, your process is you'll write a post, you'll share it on Facebook. If it starts getting traction, then you'll put some boost behind it to grow its visibility even more, right? That's it. That's awesome. So are there any things... Any kind of uh, patterns that you've learned about what makes a compelling headline or what makes compelling topics in your particular case? My method really is I read a lot. So when I read, I come up with ideas and I'm always trying to do stuff that other people haven't. So the last thing, I mean, a lot of people, you can just go to entrepreneur.com and see what the top trending subjects are and you can just replace their words with yours in the headline. That's really easy to do. For me, I figured that if they want to read that, they'll probably read it from somebody smarter than me over an entrepreneur. (laughs) Uh, So what I do is I try to come up with something completely out of the box, different. And here's how this works for me. It's my creative process. I use Evernote. So all during the week, uh, when I think of something, I'll just type it into Evernote as a headline and I'll separate each note. And so at the end of the week on Sunday, when I got to write two or three blog posts, I just sit down and I read all those headlines that I've wrote for the week. And I pick the two or three that I think are going to be winners and I start filling the content out around them. So I'm not, I don't have to sit down, come up with a headline and a body all at once. I've got a nice little process. Same thing that we do with our videos. You know, we're going to make a video every single week. So I've got to make sure that I'm uh, consistently coming up with video titles as well. So I write a lot of headlines, but the key is there's one way that's always works well. It's like how to get X without having to do Y, X being what they want, Y being what they don't want. 
But just think about the things that you run into on a daily basis. When I'm writing blog posts, I'm thinking of the things that that my potential client runs into, that I've ran into. So for example, the one that we released this morning says leads not responding, send them this email. Right? I know that if you work if you work with me, you're probably getting a bunch of leads and the biggest struggle is you think you need to get in touch with all of them when really only about 10% are going to stick their hand up anyway. And so this gives you a template email because I know that's what people need. The next one after that says, this B2B strategy gets you in front of the decision maker fast. If you're a B2B salesperson, that's exactly what you want to do. Skip the gatekeeper and get in front of the decision maker as fast as you can. And so I know these are things, and these are just from yesterday and this morning uh, out there on the blog. I know these are things that are facing the sales community on a daily basis because that's who I am. And so I just write about the things that I either, you know, wanted, wish that I could have learned before or the things that I've newly found and want to talk about and share with the community. That's awesome. So answering their main issues, giving them solutions to help them get closer to their goals, right? Do you use any tools to kind of back up that data? Do you do any keyword research around it or is it purely just based on your experience? No, no, I don't do any. Re- it's just purely based on my experience and you know, our, our blog's really not that good with the SEO stuff. And uh, because I don't write for SEO, I write for me, you know, and, uh, and, and I want people to read it and not be like, you know, this seems canned. I want people to read it and feel like it's like, you know, it's my homeboy Stuman. He like puts his arm around me and he just starts telling me this story. I want him to like have that feeling, you know? Yeah. And obviously you, you drive a huge amount of your traffic through Facebook. So, um, I wanted to ask, you mentioned that your hardcore closer page, you're over 150,000 likes on that. What's been your strategy to grow that following other than blog posts and boost the ones that seem to get traction? That's it. That's the whole, I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. That's the whole process is, you know, I'm real simple. I post two or three uh, blog posts a day on that page. Now I schedule them all out. So like once a month I sit down and I schedule everything out on Facebook for the month. But um, I post, you know, three or four blog posts a day, plus one or two pictures that are shared over from Instagram. So like I post twice a day on Instagram and then it basically just shares it right over to my Facebook fan page. The blog posts are scheduled a month in advance. I do the Instagram things live because I like Instagram anyway. There's no arguing and stuff like that. on It's a cool site. And so that's like been my whole strategy. I look back every couple of days and whichever ones are getting the most organic exposure, I just put a few hundred bucks behind them. But right now we spend about $3,000 a week in doing that. So it's not like I'm just putting five or 10 bucks behind them. We're putting a, a decent amount of, of money behind the ones that take off because I'm trying to get blog subscribers because in reality, I don't really make sales from Facebook. I build lists from Facebook and I make sales through email and on the phone. Yeah, so are you when you're, when you're boosting those posts, are you looking for conversions to email subscribers or are you just you're just doing it to drive traffic to the site and increase your visibility and you know that email subscribers are going to come from that well i know that if i get them to the site they're probably going to sign up because we have a hell of a lead magnet it's like sign up right here and get on our email list and we'll give you a free copy of kick-ass take names email addresses and phone numbers it's compelling because we got you know i think it's like a 19 percent opt-in rate on there it's in, it's in which is really good considering that it's been that way for a long time now so it's a, it's a good offer. So anytime we send, you know, a hundred people over there, we know we're going to get 19 or 20 of them that are going to sign up automatically. So the goal is how many hundreds or thousands of people can we send there on a daily basis? And the site gets about a half a million views a month. Uh, our Facebook page gets viewed about a million times a week. And then the site gets about a half a million hits, unique hits a month. That's a killer conversion rate. Considering you're driving people to blog posts and considering that traffic's coming from social which is like the most fickle traffic in the world. That's such a killer conversion rate. 
But, you know, if you're reading my stuff, you're either going to, you know, let's just say that out of that 20 to 19 percent, let's just say the 81 percent of them hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they go there and they're like, fuck this guy, man. This guy is arrogant. I can't stand him. But the 20 percent, they love buying our stuff, man, because they know that we're getting them results. You think about this. I've been this guy with the hardcore closer personality and this brand that's like this, you know, fuck your excuses brand since 2012. And I can, I'm not on the ripoff report. I'm not on Salty Droid. And it's not because, you know, uh, of how awesome I am. We have some great programs and stuff like that. It's just that, man, I have delivered exactly what I said I've delivered 100% of the time, every time that anybody's bought from me. Or we just kick them their money back and tell them to kick rocks. And and that served me well. We've we've maybe given a hundred refunds in you know five years. That's just which is very low considering we've made over eleven thousand sales. And the thing is, I've just you know what you're dealing with when you get to me, and I'm trying to run off the people that are going to cause me a hard time. Like I said, those nineteen percent that opt in, they get it. They're usually the alpha personality top type. They're usually people that make over one hundred fifty grand a year. They're usually the type of people that's like, dude, if I could talk like that and get away with it and I wouldn't lose my license, I would do the same shit. Those are the kind of people <laughs> that we mesh with. They're usually people that come from sketchy backgrounds like me uh, that are somewhat successful now. So it's it's like knowing your audience again. And 19% is a good conversion rate. But at the same time, like I'm I'm happy to run the 81% off because I know those 19 are the ones that count. So it's, again, it's attract, you know, you said before we started that you do the direct response marketing, it's attract and repel to its fullest over here. Yeah, totally. So I, I want to ask you about your email marketing strategy. So obviously you, you're driving people through to the email list and you mentioned in the, in, in the previous call that we had together that you're not necessarily looking to sell through the website itself, are you? You're looking to sell through the emails, through that follow-up. So that opt-in is really the kind of, it's the start of the relationship with them, isn't it? What's your approach with email marketing? What's your split between providing just pure content versus selling? Well, we give 10 times more than we ask for, uh, you know, because I'm already creating the content anyway. And really, we just switched it up. <clears throat> so before we just used to send blog posts, you signed up and there was like 50, you know, 50 autoresponder coming out every two days, uh, you know, all the way up to 50 different emails. Uh, over the course of, let's say that's like eight months or whatever. And it was just giving you blog posts and content. But recently we switched it up to where we have sales copy. Like when you opt in, we start trying to sell you shit immediately. It's a book. We start trying to give you the book immediately. Because when people buy the book, they generally take us up on the upsells that come along with the book. And that's where we really make our money. So we we start trying to get the book in somebody's hand immediately. A, the book's badass. It's elevatortothetop.com if you want to check it out. Uh, but the book's badass. And so we want to get that in somebody's hands first and foremost. And then from there, we just, you know, that's what we've we've made the switch to. And I used to send out blog posts every couple of days, like, you know, the latest blog post, hey, you got to check this out. But now we do a weekly recap, kind of like Inc. Magazine does, where you send out a weekly uh, email with like the top blog post for the week. Well, Inc. obviously push, publishes a lot more than I do. So mine just has my three or four blog posts that I did that week uh, that come out. So they get the content every Sunday night. And then for the first four or five days that they opt in, we're trying to get a book in their hand. That's been our whole process. And after that, it's just we email them once a week, unless I'm doing a promotion or got you know something that's really important. It's like, dude, you got to read this. Like, I wrote a blog post last week. It's called something about psychology hack to preframe into your sales pitches. And it's something that's it's called sales hack, overcoming prospect objections within your sales pitch. It's something that I, I like really felt like everybody needed to know 
know how to do this. And so I sent it out to the list, but it's, that's probably the first time that I've emailed them randomly like that in probably two months. So you do the weekly recap emails. And I, I want to ask about the, the book because you're obviously selling much higher ticket products and ev- events and masterminds and stuff. Do you feel like the book is a gateway drug to get people hooked on buying your stuff? Or are you, is, is this just for the people who aren't, you know, they're never going to buy a course? What's, what's the purpose for the book sale there? Yeah. So this is the first time we ventured into, so we call them kangaroos, right? People that want free shit. Cause like kangaroo, their hands, they don't reach in their back pocket where their wallet would be. But they like, <laughs> they're really, they're just short enough to reach in their pouch where they can put a bunch of free shit that you give them. And then just like hop out of your life, right? They opt in. They don't ever buy nothing. They keep taking all your content and disappearing. We call those people kangaroos. And, and like, that's like our cult, cult language there. And so uh, this is our first time to go into kangaroo territory because most of my products are $5,000 and up. And we've sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of books at this point between my five books. But it, you know, I had never given one away. I'd always just kind of let Amazon deal with that. So at first, man, when people would hit like the refund button or they would say, hey, where's my book? I ordered it a week ago. It would weird me out because I'm used to taking $5,000 from somebody and them never complaining. So I'm like, do we give you a free book and you're bitching? Like what? In the, you know what I'm saying? Like it didn't. It was like the, the word I can only use, like it was befuddling to me. It's like, but wait, man, I take five grand from people and they send us champagne bottles to my office. I, I gave you a book and you're bitching. I just like, and so it really was a huge change for us. And so at first we just want to get the book in people's hands because there's sales pitches all throughout the book. First of all, the book is called Elevator to the Top. You can get it at elevatortothetop.com. And we, what the elevator to the top is, is like the book is the ground floor of our elevator. You get the book for free, and then we offer you a $47 uh, upsell, which will be the first floor. Then we offer you a $297 upsell, and then a $2,500 upsell, and and they all bankroll into one. And then from there, once you get in the program, we look to try to get you to our live event, which is an an additional $5,000. And then when we get people to the live event, a lot of them convert into our $30,000 a year uh, mastermind program we call The Tribe. And so that's the elevator. The elevator starts at, at the free book and it ends at the $30,000 a year mastermind, which we have about 100 people in right now. And a lot of them have been there uh, for multiple years. So like usually when people start working with us, they, they stick around for a long time. And the book is like how we do all that. But so that book is the gateway for us to get leads, for us to start. It's like, hey, okay, so if you're a kangaroo and you, all you can have is a free book, then maybe you got this $47 that might change your life, right? Well, if you got 47, you might have 297 to join our next program. And so it's just been a process bumping them up. And then my sales team, after we sell them a, a uh, after we give them a book or we sell them a $47 deal, that's not the end of the relationship. That's when the sales team keeps going back and asking them if they need help and giving them more content and keep loading them up until they're ready to make the next move and get on the next floor. I think that's a mistake. A lot of info products and coaching businesses make is they assume that once they've sold one of their kind of mid-level products, if someone hasn't ascended, then they're not going to ascend and they they don't do that diligent follow-up. So how do you integrate your sales team? Are these guys phoning your leads? Are they just sending them personalized emails? What's the, what's the backend process? Like, so we have Infusionsoft, so everything's tagged. And so once they, if they stop at the book, then they get emails saying, hey, why didn't you grab social media mastery? Now, if they stop at the $47 program, Social Media Mastery, we send them emails saying, hey, you know, why didn't you join the Entourage, which is the 297 offer? 
And then once they get an entourage, dude, they fall in love with this, man. We get them in there. We get them results real quick. It's, it's simple. They, you, somebody pays 300 bucks. They come in there and they make a thousand or a couple thousand. They're never leaving. And so that's like our whole goal is like to get somebody's money and get them results as fast as possible. And I'm not a life coach. So, you know, if you're a life coach, you can get somebody's money and be like, do you feel better? And they'd be like, oh yeah, man, I feel better. That was totally worth the money. Mine is measurable in dollars, right? And so what happens with us, or maybe in your case, euros or whatever y'all use over there. But it, it, what happens with us is when someone comes in, we actually have metrics. It's like, hey, I used this system and closed this sale because of it and made this money because of it. So we show people direct results of how our system works, which gets them pumped up and they, they rarely leave. Like the attrition rate for uh, an expensive continuity program like we have is usually 20%. And right now ours is around 13. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. I want to be mindful of your time, so so we do have to wrap up soon. Um, before we do, I just want to ask you: from the days when you started Hardcore Closer to now, what do you wish that you'd known then, which you really would have made good use of? Yeah. So the thing that I wished I would have done sooner is I used to be the, like the lone wolf, and so I generated the leads, ran the ads, closed the sale, delivered the service, like all the all that stuff. And the one thing that I wish I would have done sooner was not get caught up in trying to keep as much money as possible, but delegate. Now I got, you know, quite a few people on my team, probably 12 people that work for me. You know, they're crucial to my business now. And I used to be really scared to delegate. And uh, I wish I would have got on that sooner because I would already be doing a lot more than I am now. Totally hear you there. Totally hear that. Dude, this has been absolutely awesome and and really interesting insight behind the scenes of Hardcore Closer. Where can people find out more about you and Hardcore Closer? Well, so you can obviously go to hardcorecloser.com. You can go to elevatortothetop.com if you want that book. And if you want to follow me on social media, uh, just go to hardcorecloser.com and all my social media stuff is at the top there. You can connect with me, whether you're, I don't really do Snapchat that much. I got a profile, but I'm mainly on like Instagram and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. Perfect. Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you everyone for tuning in. 